What's next? This is a question we're all having to ask and answer more frequently. I'm Jenny Blake, your host of the Pivot Podcast and author of Pivot, The Only Move That Matters is Your Next One. For show notes from this episode, visit pivotmethod.com slash podcast. If change is the only constant, then let's get better at it. Here we go. Before I get into this episode, I want to give a special thank you to Michael Bungay-Stanier, who linked to an Instagram live from Rachel Rogers. As many of you know, I'm not actively perusing social media like Instagram and Facebook, at least I haven't been before this week. And him leaking to that video and Rachel's remarks really shook me and woke me up and they needed to. Rachel's words really stopped me in my tracks and shaped so much of the inquiry that I did this week. She encouraged and inspired me through that video to figure out what's going on, to listen much more deeply. And I thank you for that, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you for posting that, for the passion and transparency and vulnerability that you shared. And thank you for guiding a lot of the thinking that is shaping this episode. Thank you so much. Now on to today's show. Hello, friends. As I shared in my Pivotless newsletter on Thursday, we have hit a boiling point of rage and heartbreak. What we witnessed through George Floyd's murder was evil incarnate, not to mention the countless others who have come before him and the massively dysfunctional systems in America that perpetuate injustice, racism, and senseless violence. We must do better. I must do better. Black lives matter. I'm speaking for white and white identified people like me, that even the introduction that I just reread to you from my newsletter is not enough. To point at police and say we need police reform is not enough. To point at broken systems is not enough. To point at the fact that we all need to vote is not enough. Because this starts within. Focusing on the police or on the broken systems, even how I started this episode, are in a way a projection and a deflection of the individual responsibility that each of us have, particularly those of us who are white or white identified. I have been doing a lot of deep listening and immersing, learning, and doing my best to grow. But this podcast isn't about me. I'm not recording this for a pat on the back or for your approval or for affirmation. This is not what this is about. I want to share my process and let you know what I'm doing during this incredibly important time. As I shared in my Pivotless newsletter on Thursday, I typically try to keep it out of the sphere of news and politics. That in itself is a privilege. To dip in and out of conversations like this one at will is an immense privilege, and it is an invisible privilege to so many. This is not about politics. This is about human rights. This is about elevating and supporting our Black brothers and sisters. Black lives matter. This episode, this conversation that I'm having, that I'm initiating here, is too little, too late. 
But as Seth Godin often counsels to authors who have a book coming out, the best time to start was three years ago. Barring that, start today. Well, in this case, the best time to start was lifetimes ago. But barring that, start today. There are many people who say, I'm not sure what to say or where to start. This is uncomfortable. I don't want to say the wrong thing. That's the point. That's the point. If you're white and you feel uncomfortable, that's the point. You're uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable because we don't know what to say, what to do, how to help until we start educating ourselves. But our black brothers and sisters are uncomfortable because their lives are at stake and their livelihoods are at stake. If I want to say, oh, I I like to keep this podcast and this platform work-related, let's talk about work. In the big four technology companies, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, and Amazon, there are zero Black members of the senior leadership teams. In total, there are just four Black chief executives among the 500 largest companies in the country. But again, it would be a mistake to project the problem elsewhere, to the big companies, to the big systems, to the big politicians. Each of us, especially those of us who are white and benefiting from invisible privilege, must do this work from within. It is not enough not to be racist. We must actively work and develop skills and muscles around anti-racism, around deconstructing and dissolving the unconsciously racist systems, beliefs, mindsets, benefits that we were raised with, and in many cases, despite the best of intentions from friends, family, and community. To my Black listeners and community members, thank you. To Black educators in this movement, thank you for doing this work. Thank you for the public educating, sharing, grieving that you're doing so that we can learn. Thank you for the emotional labor that you're doing. This episode is just meant to be brief enough to share my process and that I'm taking time to deeply immerse myself in these issues and learn. And I process things in a very introverted way. So you will see me be more quiet on the podcast. And I know the sentiment that white silence is violence. So please don't misunderstand my silence as not doing anything or just waiting for this to blow over. It is so important that people like me listen right now. Truly, there are so many Black educators and leaders within Black Lives Matter who have been doing this work for years, who are asking to be heard. And finally, with protests for 10 days straight now, their voices are being lifted up. We have hashtag muted, hashtag amplify melanated voices. There are great podcasts and materials and teachings and trainings that are already out there. I'm going to make a list, an ongoing updating list at pivotmethod.com slash Black Lives Matter. I am having conversations with my white friends and colleagues, and that is part of the request that we do this work with our friends, with our families, with our communities. When I started at Union Theological Seminary in 2018, this is one of the most liberal seminaries in the country, and it's all about liberation theology, meaning how can we study our sacred texts in a way that liberate the oppressed and don't perpetuate systems of oppression? One of the things they said to us in my Bible 101 class, Dr. Meverden, she said, we're going to cover a lot of material and... A lot of it may be triggering given how you read the Bible growing up, because we're going to reread it and re-study and look through a different lens. 
She said, this class, we're going to cover a lot of ground and we're going to do it quickly. So let it wash over you. Let it wash over you. Part of what I've been doing is letting it wash over me, dipping into mainstream media, diving into social media, following threads, reading comments, going down various rabbit holes of conversation on purpose to let it wash over me. It's so important to pause during this time. And again, I'm saying this for my white listeners, because if you're black, if you're a person of color, if you're indigenous, this is your life. And we need to wake up and listen. You have the experience of implicit and explicit bias, unconscious, systemic bias, microaggressions every day of your lived experience. And we, white women like me, white identified people like me, we need to wake up, listen, see it, understand as much as we possibly can, though we never will know the full extent, and take action. I don't have nearly the answers. But one thing that I'm thinking about is how to make this sustaining and recurring. I believe in setting up recurring donations for causes like Black Lives Matter, so that there's not just a surge of interest. But if all of us set up recurring donations, then they will continue happening over time at a steady drip. We need to be having recurring conversations. Again, I thank our Black educators who are already putting out so much content and have been for years that can help all of us learn. They are doing the emotional labor. So don't ask them to do it again and again and again and explain things to you. As I've seen many times now in social media, Google it. Look up invisible privilege. Look up white privilege. Look up unconscious bias. Look up implicit bias. There's a whole dictionary of terminology. Even centering. For example, if I focus this podcast on how confused and hurt and and grieving I have been this week for the state of our country and our toxic leadership. It's not about me. It's not about me. My feelings are nothing compared to friends who are afraid for their children, their brothers, their husbands. Feelings, you can see, we can see from the protests, there is a demand from Black Lives Matter to be seen, to grieve and to invite those of us who have not had to grieve the senseless loss of a family member for no reason to to do that grieving. If you haven't watched Al Sharpton's speech from George Floyd's memorial service, do that. I've seen a lot of critique around spiritual white women. Because when we say live as love, sending light and love, it's not enough. Live as love means Do the work. Take inspired action. Live as love is daily action. It's daily commitment. It's daily inquiry and trying to dismantle these enormous systems of oppression that we live in. And if you're white like me, that we benefit from often unconsciously without acknowledging how many of us We're born on third base. How many of us had such an easier time getting a mortgage, getting a job, keeping a job because of the color of our skin? We must recognize this. And this is what it means to start within, is to look at all of the ways that we have been privileged, that we were born into privilege, and understand it 
so that we can start to work to change it. It has to start within. It has to start with acknowledging the water that we're swimming in. I'd like to read from a beautiful letter that Larry Fitzgerald Jr. wrote in the New York Times called The City of Minneapolis Taught Me About Love. He's a wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals. He writes, People of color across this nation are screaming to be heard. Stop killing our sons and daughters. Stop terrorizing our communities. Give us justice. When those screams fall on deaf ears, the pain of being unheard bears down on your soul. Have you ever been frustrated at being in an intimate relationship where you feel your concern is unheard and disregarded? When you try to communicate, but your voice does not get through? Even in the midst of the current tragedy, I'm hopeful. We have a tremendous opportunity to ensure that all voices are heard. People of color are asking for a radical, meaningful change that eliminates injustice in the legal system, roots out systemic racism in American society, and where authority protects rather than threatens. He continues, We must work together to heal this divide and rebuild our communities by committing to let no voice go unheard. Our first step must be to listen to one another, to sincerely lean in and hear what the person who is different from us is saying. He closes the letter by saying, George Floyd, in your final gasps for breath, we hear you. Ahmaud Arbery, as your footsteps pounded the ground, running for your life, we hear you. Victims of violence, poverty, and injustice, we hear you. Communities and lives torn apart by riots, we hear you. People of privilege learning a better way, we hear you. Mothers and fathers of every race doing the best you can to teach your children to love and not hate, we hear you. May God give us all ears to hear, so that the cries of the unheard are never again compelled to scream in desperation. Thank you to Larry Fitzgerald. Thank you to the Black educators who are helping us do better. Thank you to those of you who are still here listening, even if parts of this made you feel uncomfortable or if parts of this were imperfect. I'm going to continue lifting up these voices that must be heard. Take action. Learn, listen, witness, and then act. This cannot simply be about performative allyship or virtue signaling or just saying the words so that we are seen saying the words. We must witness the grief, the tremendous grief that our country is going through and do something about it. Again, you can go to pivotmethod.com slash Black Lives Matter, where as I continue listening, learning, growing, and evolving, I will update resources that are helpful in that process. So truly, truly, I want to put podcasts in the show notes that I would like for you to listen to. If if you're missing the space in the day where Pivot Podcast has been filling, please listen to these leaders and teachers within Black Lives Matter. This is not just a civil rights issue. This is a human rights issue, and we must do better. I must do better. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. And thank you to those of you who are taking the steps to make this a better, more just country and world for us all. Thank you. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Pivot Podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips and templates by signing up for Pivot List, a curated twice-monthly newsletter where I share the inside scoop on what I'm reading, watching, listening to, and the latest tools I'm geeking out on. Sign up at pivotmethod.com slash pivotlist. Get show notes from this episode at pivotmethod.com slash podcast. And connect with me on Twitter at Jenny underscore Blake. Remember, build first, then your courage will follow. Hasn't it always?